I'll give you just a minute or two to, uh, to look at these things and pray silently.
know how blessed we are to have such wonderful folks that are able to be here to make this possible. We can truly amazing. Thank you so much for all that you have done. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here today with you. Uh, my name is Rick Ashbaugh, and I know that you've got some sermon notes there that you need to fill out, so I'll let you gather those up. My sermon today is going to be on compassion for the sheep. And uh, you'll notice we got a little David heat up there. Do you remember when you came to know the Lord? Do you remember that moment when you accepted Christ as your Savior? It could be today. But also you'll notice that there's some other sheep up there too. You thought they were tailored, didn't you? Has there ever been a moment in your life where you said, I am glad that I am a Christian because I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. His righteousness covers me. But there are times I want to look like the world and I don't want to be the person who sees as Christ sees. Has there ever been that moment that we want to kind of blend in with the world in some way? Last night as we're thinking about how blessed that I am, I get the opportunity as the Central District Pastor to travel across all five of our states and to pastor 
right before the crowd started the last bit as well as ministry. And I get to see all of our churches that are at work in unique ways. And I want to remind you today that God has placed you here on purpose and that you have an impact. Today we'll be looking at a couple of passages of scripture. One of those is going to be found in Cal Plus 31. You can write that down in your box there in your sermon notes. But we'll primarily be looking at Matthew chapter 9, verses 45 through 410. But I'm going to just kind of let you know a little bit about what's happening in the Central District as we begin. And by the way, I want to thank you for allowing me uh, to be the district pastor. It's through your support of the church and through the support of the denomination that we're able to do a lot of different things that are taking place uh, throughout the United States. And one of the things that I would like just to let you know is that because of my position, I get to serve on our national board. Uh, so I get to serve on the U.S. Leadership Board. I kind of oversee the district leader and district USA and those things, as well as the seminary and the institutions. But also I am allowed to, to work with the U.S. Board of Faith and Life. Uh, we deal with things in terms of ethics and policy. That's where the confession of faith, and that's where some of the landscape that we have today in our culture is kind of impacting us in terms of what do we believe and how does that serve out in the world around us. I'm sure that you have heard a lot of things that are taking place now in terms of, of what it means for us to be a Christian and what can we say and what can we not say. And most of those things have an impact, as I also serve on the Kavey board. We're dealing with things as such as whether or not we should have, you know, transgender bathrooms and things like that. And it just feels sometimes a little icky, doesn't it, that we find ourselves struggling with those type of issues. But, but that is part of what I also get to do. So I want you to know that uh, as I was at Kavey board uh, this past couple of days that I was able to see how the Lord is really impacting a number of young men. I have sisters, uh, 155 that are going to be graduating uh, from uh, the Hillsdale campus and another 55 from the Wichita campus. And all of them have heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And every single one of them has had that opportunity to watch and to see how we live out our faith in community, which is one of the, the tenets of what it means for us to be a Mennonite landscape is that we do ministry together in community. When we study an item, when we talk about various theological things, it is not what one person says or one board says, but we come together and we ask this question, how should we then live with the faith that we have? I have also had the privilege of serving a number of our churches in, in the Central District. Uh, for three years, I was, well, I was serving, I was serving as part of the Mennonite Brothers Church for four and a half years. Uh, I went there as a, as a follow-up working with uh, the church split that they had. It was kind of an ugly situation. I'm living in a small town. You probably know that everybody knows your business these days, don't they? Is that true? Yeah? Well, we were told, you know, I mean, we had people who would watch us. We would drive away from our, our little parsonage there, and they would say, I saw you leave. But they were asking the question, where did you go, and when did you get back home again? The joke was always, you know, the one year that I got a little bit of a raise in my salary, it was all over town that the pastor had gone from one fry to two fries. It was that kind of thing that we sometimes had to deal with living in a small community. 
but also living in a small community where there was brokenness, we have the opportunity as a community to, to show what it means to be uh, followers of Christ, to love and to forgive and to break down barriers. And uh, January 22nd, we actually had a vote there in Hardy, and we actually merged with another church in town, and we became the Cornerstone Community Church. And now they have some 90 kids who are a part of their Awana program. Uh, they have 20, 25 youth that are participating in their youth program. And they're beginning to show to the community that even though there's brokenness, that we can come together again and we can go and we can forgive. On Palm Sunday, I was able to, uh, to work with Roger Ingram, who had been, uh, he was the district pastor before me, but about three years ago, they asked me if I would do the district ministry part-time and continue to pastor at Hardy. And I know that I should have studied math when I was in school, but I was three-quarter time pastor at Hardy and three-quarter time district leader. So, there you go. Well, this last Feb February, after the vote in Hardy, I was actually uh, transitioned, if you will, into being just a full-time pastor, uh, official district pastor, and, and Roger and Lou Thiel were taking us on tour, if you will, and on Palm Sunday, we were in Minneapolis, and we were able to be at his baptismal service, and the Russian church there, there were five Hispanic folks, I think it was, they were all speaking in Russian, some of them knew English. And I had the privilege of sharing for just a little bit, and, and it was great fun. I could tell a joke, but I kind of heard the one about Jesus, and it's like, you know, I don't know that one. That's pretty good. You know. But anyways, I, I do remember that it was so intriguing to watch the spirit and the joy that they had, and I didn't understand a single word they said, but I knew their spirit, and I knew their love for the Lord, and I, I, I just was thrilled to see they had some 200 kids in their uh, children's programs, and it was Palm Sunday, and they were all coming in with their palm branches, and even though I didn't understand what they were saying, I knew what they were saying as they were singing, Hosanna to Jesus, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Not the only thing that I did understand was Shakespeare. I don't know if they don't have a word for that in Russian or whatever, but there was an announcement time where it was all this Russian language, and all of a sudden, bake sale. And uh, they had a bake sale out there, so I knew that much. I don't know, maybe that was for my benefit. And the following Sunday, I had the privilege of being in a sanctuary church in uh, Queens, in Sanctuary, Queens. Uh, we had a, a church planter there uh, who had a youth assignment, uh, about uh, six or seven. And uh, we were there, and we were able to worship with him as they were trying to, to figure out where do they go from here. And they were trying to figure this forward. And it was a smaller group of people, maybe 30 or 35 people. But in the heart of their ministry, they're doing something called Celebrate Recovery. And they're, and they're interacting with people who are having trouble with addictions of all sorts. And the people who are coming there are learning what it means to be a follower of Christ and to be radical as Christians. And that was an exciting time for us to be there. Uh, just enjoy being a part of that service and serving with them. I also get to serve with the executive board of the Central District, and, and we're putting together things like the convention that will be held in less than one time. Uh, you need to be there in November. Just to go and see how things in ministry there. Have you ever been to the Lexico School of Law? Really? It's incredible, isn't it? Just the number of students that they bring in from all across the world that come there, and uh, they were telling one story, I can't remember where this young guy came from, uh, but he was an inner city uh, type of a person that came from someplace like Chicago, 
And all of a sudden, they landed in Luster, Montana, that doesn't even, I don't, I don't think it has a post office. It's an intersection in the road. It's not a town. It's just dirt. And all of a sudden, he was standing there in the middle of Montana in all of the traffic, and he was looking around. This guy that was used to growing up in all of this concrete world, all of a sudden, all he saw was this, what he described as a happy accident. Where is the nearest 7-Eleven? Well, he said, I need a Slurpee. Where do I go? And it's four and a half hours with the post office in Luster, Montana. But they have a pastor there by the name of Frank Lemonheimer. And maybe some of you heard this. I, I put out a newsletter, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And Frank was putting together a tour of Israel. He's one of our pastors in Central District, and he is an expert on Israel. And he will be inviting all of us that would like to come uh, to go to Israel. He's got a 10-day tour that's just absolutely incredible. Uh, we don't have anything to do in February anymore, do we? The end of February, February 28th, I think is when ours is up. I also had an opportunity to, to work with our church up in Stony Brook. Uh, we are reaching a, a, a number of people there in the Omaha area. Uh, Chad Stoner has been our pastor and church planter there. Uh, they're just doing this right. It's a young church that is reaching out to people who didn't grow up in the church and have brought them in to follow Christ. All of a sudden, they're having to deal with the mundane things like, what do we do when our heating and air conditioning system goes out? Can you believe that? Some more, I don't know, if it was a good time sometime in February when we had that long cold snow and it was okay, but the heater was out. And the way the building is built, all four of the heaters were stacked together in sort of a row in a very tiny closet. And they all needed to be replaced. So it wasn't just one. It was like they all had to. And all of a sudden, they're faced with a $15,000 bill as a young church. That's how big of a church this is. And as a central district, we get to participate in helping those types of churches. Now, of course, I've been working as well in the Christ Community Church where Lucas is from. I will assure you that because I'm working with their search committee, I know that Luke is not there to be candidate. I understand there was a rumor there, but that's not true. Not true. It doesn't benefit me if I move one pastor to another church because I still have to fill that church. My goal is to have all of our churches filled with the different pastors like Luke that will be able to continue to serve. And so we pray that uh, we ask you to keep in prayer for the uh, church there in Bucharest. You know, last Sunday I was in Grant. Uh, three years ago they had gone through a church split. The church had kind of fallen apart. They didn't know whether they would survive. And now they are going uh, just wonderfully. And so such a great ministry has taken place there. And you know where they're finding their greatest ministry impact now? It's in a church we call Stonebrook. For whatever reason, this church previously has now taken up the ministry of working with an orphanage there in Bucharest. And it's incredible the, the reach of all of our churches. When you think about what is taking place in Shakopee, the uh, first generation blessings who have come into the United States, they're finding community, they're having jobs in the community, and they're wrestling with what does it mean for us to go from being blessings to a multitude? What does it mean for us to raise our children uh, speaking Russian but also English? All of these types of things. We've got you know, Stony Brook that's working uh, with a lot of people who have been broken in their lives. We have the, the church that we have in Sanctuary Phoenix that has this uniqueness through their Celebrate Recovery program. And you have a church like Calvary that really matched up in the community here. 
and yet they were able to walk through that, that sense of shame, that sense of brokenness, to a place where they could now stand and say, we're sorry, we ask for forgiveness, and all are welcome here. And for all time, that was really so I want to begin by saying I'm told that we need to be back on 1230. Is that right? Yeah. But I'm asking you here, question, how did you receive? How is it that God rules your life and who was it that spoke into your life? How is it that you came to be a part of this church or even seated here today? How did you get here? That's sort of the question that I began asking myself as I look back through my life and as I look through all of the things that, that just happened. I really hate that word, by the way. Circumstances and is a coincidence. Huh? What I do think is we found out that God is actually at work, that God is still creating, that God is still orchestrating our times and our days. Would that be something that would excite you today? When I look back in my life, it's amazing to see how I hold it up more than I do. And when I look around and I see my handprint on some other things. There's this one guy that, when I was a youth pastor in Inman, Oklahoma, uh, he, he was a, he was selling, uh, well, he was part of a car dealership, and he was the guy that you would go to to plan the purchase, you know. He was the deal that we can give you. He has the finances, and wouldn't you like to buy some instruments? Do you know who that guy was? He was my youth pastor. His name was Jerry Evans. I know. I'm not bragging. I grew up in Memphis, Kansas. My dad ran a body shop, and, and I had never been outside of the city limits of Ulysses. I had some holiday, right? And my parents were concerned about what I would do in my life, and, and there had been a, a real tragedy in my life in a lot of ways. My dad ran a body shop, and at the age of 35, he went on to business for himself. He, he put up a brand new building. He went deeply into debt. I mean, it was like a big deal to get the shop up and running. It was a major thing for him to go from being somebody who worked for him at his auto shop to having his own. But he was all in, and, and he was excited, and he loved to fly, and, and, you know, that sense of flying. He had an old Stinson. I don't know if anybody knows what a Stinson is. It's a tail driver. covered. My dad picked that thing up in, in eastern Kansas and flew it home. And when he got home, it was all full of rat's nest and everything. He tore it completely apart, and he loved to fly. And what I remember about flying is you go up in the air, and you're about 10,000 feet, and you look down, and the world looks different, doesn't it? Huh? All of a sudden, you can see where that stream goes. You can see where that road is going. You've got a different vision, and that's what I want you to have here today. I've already shared with you a little bit about the hope and the impact that we had in our sense of brokenness. But what about you and what about me? This idea that God is at work. Romans 8.28 is a passage that became very important to me as I became aware of who God was. Because secondly, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This passage says that God works all things together for good. When I was in high school, my father, uh, about three years after he had saved all of this money and got his shop up and running, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And 
it was a very traumatic time for us because you can imagine how that would impact somebody who looks like him. But it also impacted us financially. He wasn't able to, to do the work as well as he had been able to do. And there were a lot of things that happened in our family in terms of, of how to get him medicated. And that was the season when medication wasn't as specific and controlled at that particular time. And he went through a number of different prescriptions. And, and my father, who had been very kind and loving, uh, had moments of rage. And it caused all kinds of havoc within our family. About that time, there was a, a, a friend of the family that uh, was also a pilot, and, and uh, he went to an airplane, and he died. And he was a close family member who died in suicide at the age of where I knew him. And I was a teenager. Anybody remember being a teenager? Can you imagine all the different emotions and things that were taking place in my life? And about that time, a friend of mine told me that he was beginning to have what he called a breakdown. And he said, why are you not doing better? And I said, I don't believe that. And he said, yes, you need to talk. He says, number one, I love to drive my dad's Chevy. Okay? He said, there will be peace one day. And there was peace. That was the teenage trifecta. And I went to a Bible study, and I began to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. And my friend said, why don't you come to an FCA meeting? Fellowship of Christian Pastors meeting. And there I met a man that seemed to be genuine and concerned, and he spoke into my life, and he was compassionate, and I knew that he was also a Christian. And I remember one day where I was really having a tough time. I'd actually been called out of class to go and help my dad because of things that were taking place within his home and his health. And I remember this man putting his hands on my shoulder. And I remember him telling me, what you're going through, and I have compassion upon you. I will be praying for you. And it was at that moment that I began my actual journey towards faith because I felt for the first time that somebody had seen me and had understood me, and I experienced to some degree the love that God had for his people. This man named When you look back at all the little pieces of your life, do you not see that God was orchestrating? This is what Romans 8.28 says, that God is creating, that God continues to work all things together for good. My faith came about because of brokenness in my life. It came about because of all of those things. But I'll tell you something, our family, we were good people. We were moral Christians we weren't following Jesus. And I can tell you today that even though my dad passed away 20 years after we were born, everyone in our family was completely restored. Even my brother, who when he died, five years younger than me, it was divorce and marriage that we went through that caused him to pass. Five years later, he was born. His mother chapter 9, and in Matthew chapter 9, 
By the way, you know how my mother was telling me today? You know who wrote the book of Matthew and Luke? Who wrote it? Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> well, come on, it's Matthew, right? <laughs> Matthew was a was a resident of a place called Capernaum. And Jesus, after he was teaching, it tells us in Matthew chapter 4, took up residency in a place called Capernaum. It was at Capernaum where the, the folks took their, their sick friend, their paralytic friend, and opened up the roof and lowered it and put him down in front of Jesus. It was there that this man was healed by his friend. Then it says that Matthew was a tax collector, and he came to Jesus, this Jesus tax collector group, and he said, come follow me. And they did. Does that sound familiar, like any of the other people who came to the Gentile tax collector group? Sounds like us. Not for me. Come follow me. And it says that Jesus was going throughout all the towns and villages. By the way, when it says towns and villages, it's speaking about places like, yes, New York City, if they had such a place, but also places like Rochester, where all it is is an intersection and a small place. But he was teaching them in their synagogues in those neighborhoods. He went to their places of worship. And he said that he was preaching the good news, the good news of the kingdom. Have you ever read teaching about what it means to actually be a part of his kingdom. In my kingdom, this is the way it will be. In my kingdom, we will love and we will pray not only for our friends, but also for our enemies. And we will go to those who are sick. And it says that he was preaching this good news of the kingdom. And he was healing every disease and sickness. And then it says, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, what does it mean that Jesus saw them? When it says he saw the crowd, it motivated him to have compassion. Now, I want you to keep your place there in Matthew chapter 9, but I want you to turn back with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 was written by David, who was, by the way, an adulterer. We also know that he was a murderer. We also know that he was a person that it says had the heart of bronze. And this is what he said. He said, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I step and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. And before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. This idea that he says, God knows everything about me. This year, July 15th, will mark our 38th wedding anniversary. For Esther, <laughs> for Esther, some of you think 30 years and I haven't been married, right? How would it be, though, if on your wedding day, your crown 
James and John and Isaiah and Jonah and Ruth and Zebedee also know how to defend the Sundays. No idea how they have done that. Have you? Philip and Bartimaeus and Thomas. And now here the tax collectors. Tax collectors are very well received. Are you here? Not yet. And so after his conversion, it said that he held a banquet with all the tax collectors and all of the sinners. And in fact, he even is criticized because he was eating with sinners.
And for somebody who is relied on his own strength and his own works, all of he tries to be set out with a message that is not his own, to live it out in such a way that others can be attracted to it. And then God has a word for him. There's a God who is working in you. God wants to work in you faithfully according to his word. And I think I'm here to give you that word. And I don't want that message to be lost. But it will be well of us who have received from the Lord not to give it lightly. And we may think that here in Henderson and there's not a likelihood that you're really going to impact the world in any other way. I want to tell you that God is with you. He's God in you. And he has a message for you to hear that will be a blessing to you. Your days are not going to be the same. If only in the announcement time, uh, you said something that you believe that can be a blessing to someone. How many of you have already said, well, I'm I'm not sure about that.
you to remember your spiritual growth. And remember that little rose around your shoulder. And, and here in the field of your salvation, that same vine will be killed and death will be eroded. And the farmer will come and make a new planting of grace and peace. And the new crop will sprout. And the old crop will die. Christ has come in the flesh as a human figure as our Passover lamb. And we saw him come in and and we received coming to the Lord's Supper and Father said, this is Jason's body. And so I set up just a little bit and I set it down beside me. The wine rose up in my mouth and I began to drink and God said, this is my body. This is a very small, very imperfect form of the very first supper. This will be what's given. And when you consider that Passover lamb, Thank you. 